therapy for me comes down to two things. It's personality and making sure that whatever that therapist mm. approach is, is right for that individual to succeed in whatever it is that they're trying to achieve out of therapy. Oh, getting a couple of good frameworks so far. Like David, you're <laughs> talking about, you know, the two important things with actually finding a therapist. For me, it's so exciting how this is developing so quickly now, especially with something called somatic work. What do you feel is the benefit of actually seeing a mental health professional that has lived experience, you know, has some of that context? So, you know, particularly in the gender diverse community, so. Welcome to the Trends Boss podcast, home of the Trends Boss movement. The place where empowered trans people come to discover what it takes to become the best versions of themselves. I am your host, Jasmine Vine, a trans femme, trans empowerment specialist and the CEO of Javine. And I'm here to guide you on this empowering journey. In each episode, we'll dive deep into topics that matter to us trans people, like navigating through societal challenges, as well as building resilience and embracing an empowering mindset. We'll explore it all. We'll also bring on some incredible guests who are making a positive impact in the trans community. The Trans Boss Podcast is your go-to resource for empowerment, hope, wisdom, and epic stories from empowered trans bosses across the globe. It's time to kick life's ass and create an empowered, authentic you. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello, 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 and welcome to this episode of the Trans Boss Podcast. So today we are chatting with David Cancross, who is the founder of Unboxed Pride, which is an online therapy and counseling service created for those under the LGBTQIA plus umbrella. And we're also joined today by Tasha Turner, who is a genderqueer senior counselor with Unboxed Pride. So a little bit more about our guests. Uh, David himself is a cis gay man who grew up in Sydney, uh, Australia, for those of you overseas. So coming out at 23 years old, he was told that if he didn't engage in conversion therapy, he wouldn't be allowed back in his home. So through his own experiences and struggles, you know, Unboxed Pride was born as a way to help anyone under that umbrella to have a safe, safe space to feel seen and heard by professionals who actually get the challenges faced by the community. And Tasha is a genderqueer pansexual neurodiverse counselor who's been through quite a journey herself and whose purpose now is to guide clients in exploring their true selves, embracing their differences and living authentically. So I'm really freaking excited to invite you beautiful people on here. And this is actually the first interview that I'm recording for this podcast. I'm very Thank excited to so have you much, here. Thank you so much, Jasmine. We're so excited. Thank you. But Goodness. The first time. <laughs> yes, it's very exciting. So I thought we'd start out, um, I'd like to know from you, David, why did you actually decide to start Unboxed Pride? You know, what was missing from the existing services out there? Yeah, I think uh, it was a really good uh, intro you made earlier, Jasmine, in terms of my own experience with my own mental health challenges, uh, identifying as a cis gay male and going through five years. Uh, when I came out at the age of 23, it took me about five years to find a therapist or a psychologist that was LGBTQA plus themselves and had that lived experience. And I went through about four or five different psychologists up until that stage. 
And I found a lot of those psychologists didn't have context and just didn't quite understand some of the unique stuff that I was going through. And whether it be loneliness or just coming out or, you know, just being able to understand why I was feeling the feelings I was have of not having a sense of belonging in the world was really, really difficult to one, share with a complete stranger that's sitting opposite me, but also having someone that just didn't have the genuine awareness of some of the bits and pieces that were floating around in my mind because I couldn't connect the dots myself and having a therapist on the opposite end that didn't have that comprehensive, uh, I guess, education or lived experience of some of the um, specialities or areas that we can um, experience as individuals in the LGBTQI plus community was missing. And we know that the LGBTQI plus community is 2.5 times more likely to experience a mental health outcome. And there is a big gap for people to find a nationwide services that have therapists that identify or have a lived experience under the rainbow umbrella, or they have therapists that have that education, that accreditation and that extensive experience. The most important thing about therapy is being able to sit some opposite someone who you can have that genuine, unconditional trust and knowing that therapist or that person sitting opposite you will give you a sense of positivity in everything that comes out in that therapeutic setting. So I wanted to make sure that anyone who came to our, uh, our platform from our community was in a safe space and making sure that all of our therapists had the therapeutic interventions, the modalities that were personalized to the individual coming to our platform. So we wanted to ensure that if you're experiencing neurodiversity to a gender transition or coming out or you're having trouble with your parents, any context within the rainbow community was catered for by the range mm. of different therapists that we had. So we just wanted to ensure that anyone from anywhere in Australia were, were taken care of and um, specialised for in our community. Yeah, beautiful. And that's, I think that's really important. It's one of the things that, you know, I harp on about all the time is, you know, actually having support from people who have lived experience. Because mm. my, um, my experience is quite similar to you there. I think I was seeing different therapists, probably about nine from the ages of 11 to like 21. Wow. I had five. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, but that's a common experience that I notice among mm. the community is people not actually feeling that connection. And something that I experienced a lot through that journey was having to actually teach my therapists about what trans means and all of that, which is just, you know, you're paying someone to sit there to help you. Not It's like I should be, I've sat there and thought sometimes, oh, my goodness, I should be freaking charging them to train them on <laughs> inclusivity. Um, and that yeah, context so is just so um, important, uh, whether it be, you know, a therapeutic personality and having someone like Tasha that just, understand some of the common experiences that can happen and it really it, it almost can streamline the process of getting to know your therapist first and building that trust bridge first because that's the yeah. genuine 
framework that you need to start with having that person who mm. you can absolutely tell your story with too, but also know that that person will catch it in a respectful and unconditional yeah. positive manner is super duper important. Mm. So having that safety is, is what we do. And that's something that all yeah. of our therapists uh, have a passion for. And I think it comes from lived experience and, and knowing that, knowing how hard yeah. it can be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd like to know um, from Tasha, like what actually got you into what you do today? What's the driving force for you? That's a very big question. Um, and David's answered quite a lot of it um, in the fact that particularly with the trans community, you know, my community, even before I was a therapist, um, I was just witness to so much trauma. So many people in my community were falling apart really, really in a bad way. And I just thought this is, this is everywhere and I really want to be able to help. And I got into advocacy first and activism and doing a lot of peer support work. Um, and it kind of just rolled on from there. When I met my trans wife, I blame her for everything. I was like, oh, well, that was it then. That was the nail in the coffin. I'm like, ah, so, so yeah, from that point on, I got really involved in the community and just thought, I think I can help. I don't know, but I'm going to try. And yeah, I, I love doing it. Really do. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I really do think it's so freaking important to not only have like the visibility as well to be open about, you know, your experiences and, you know, helping people with those similar experiences. But something's, um, oh, something's coming to my mind, which is probably why I've, you know, connected with you both on this is for a couple of years there, I did some like suicide crisis counseling. And there was one particular thing that came up where I was on the phone with a, wow. um, like a transgender, uh, woman. And as she was explaining some of her experiences to me, yeah. I was like, Oh my goodness, this is like, she's describing me <laughs> exact same friggin' person. And we're, you know, as part of that service, we weren't allowed to talk about our own experiences yeah. or, you know, say yeah. anything like that. And Oh, I'll never forget it. We got to a point in the call where she said, you know what? You probably don't understand anything I'm talking about. I'm just going to leave and hung up. Oh. And that has really freaking stuck mm. with me. And mm. it is why I'm so open and why I support, yeah. you know, what you're doing as well with being open about it and, you know, actually catering to those people because it feels so lonely at times mm. Mm. going through that journey and not feeling like anyone understands yeah. and oh my goodness so yeah this is this mm. is something that's close to my heart <laughs> i love that it's we're tough. having this conversation yeah but i think you said earlier mm. there jazz that commonality is just so important and you know, talking, whether it's talking to a friend or a family member or someone in a community setting, when you have someone who has uh, 
either an empathic understanding or creates mm-hmm. a sense of, hey, I, I hear you and I see you in your journey and I may not understand exactly what you're going through, but, hey, I get it. That is just a framework for a foundation for any relationship and having a therapist, and that's what we call unboxing, it's the ability to have someone in your corner that has a genuine yeah. I guess passion for, for where you are in your journey, but can offer that therapeutic experience and offer those particular interventions that they will tailor themselves to to get to you where you need to be in your journey. But the commonality bit, it's, you know, therapy for me comes down to two things. It's personality and making sure that whatever that therapist mm. approach is, is right for that individual to succeed in whatever it is that they're trying to achieve out of therapy. And that could be a vision. It could be trauma-informed. It could be self-awareness around who you want to be in this world to then come out of the box and, and live yeah. in a flourishing way. It's, it comes back to making sure that that individual, that therapist is um, personality-wise, they have similar understandings of the context, whether you're a trans or you're an individual in the late 40s as a parent, as an LGBTQA plus parent, or it's any kind of scenario matching it with the right mm. person, and that's what we do with our team. Uh, on a personality basis, the first hoop. The second is the intervention piece. You know, we make sure that whatever the therapeutic approach is going to be for that individual, it has to connect on a level that we know that there's going to be a result for that client. And that's really the difficulty that a lot of people face when approaching therapy is one of those things always fall out. They may love their therapist and they may get along with them really, really well and they may have an excellent relationship, but they may get three, four sessions in or Mm. 10 sessions in and feel like they're not really getting anywhere. So those two things are really important. I think it's that commonality is is the first hoop and then following that is the intervention that they want to work on. I think that's a really freaking good um, like overview of what to actually look for in a therapist. And I think you've highlighted something important there with actually matching up with someone who has that context because a lot of the time, and I know, you know, I've spoken to a lot of like trans people in particular that feel like they're just playing Russian roulette when it comes to finding a therapist they go and see one person because mm. their doctor referred them to them and then they get there and it's just totally not a match or they don't understand, you know, much at all. Or maybe it's very like CBT based, like cognitive behavioral therapy, and they don't necessarily mm. mesh with that approach. It's just, um, yeah, I think that's a really important aspect. And it's something I'd like to dive into a bit more actually. Because when we're talking about, you know, interventions, modalities, that type of thing, I'd like to get an understanding, perhaps like from Tasha, um, I know that with a lot of, you know, therapy, when we think of therapy, a lot of people think of like traditional talk therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. I mean, first I'd like to know kind of what, what does that entail? Uh, so if we're thinking about CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, which a lot of people will say is the gold star standard, that's a phrase that comes out with therapy a lot, um, that's basically where we look at 
you can have a thought um, and then there's a behavior and before the thought there's an, like an event or an action. Now what people don't realize is a lot of people think okay here's the event and then there's the behavior. They miss the fact that in between there's a thought. So CBT is where we go hang on what's the thought? So it might be that person down the road who you think ignored you and you went past and thought wow that's rude and then the next thing you know you go off and have a really shit day. Right? You don't realize that in the middle there was a thought. You thought they're being rude. Whereas if you get to catch the thought and go, hang on, I have no idea what's going on with them at all. I could actually ask them and I don't have a shit day. And that's a really simple um, example. That's CBT. Now, I work with many, many, many types of modalities. Most of my clients have complex needs. So we're talking about lots of mental health conditions, normally addiction, suicide, self-harm, bit of trauma, gender, sexuality, you name it. Which is unfortunately very common in the trans Yeah, community. exactly. So it's this is where every session I have no idea, even if I know my client really well, what's going to come up. So something comes up and then very quickly we have a chat about, okay, right, what are we going to try this time? And that might be some of the therapies that are linked to CBT. So still looking at sometimes analyzing our thoughts or our feelings, but there's also other modalities where we use body work. And I don't mean, um, you know, like necessarily any kind of hands-on body work. I don't mean that. I mean, helping the client to understand about different techniques they can use with breathing or visualization, or it might be in my neurodivergent community. I'm waving my hands around a lot because I stim a lot and I'm moving my fingers, I'm playing with my rings and, you know, I might go quick, let's do some moving around. So in my sessions, often people stand up and start moving around. I just ask them to tell me when they're going to do that in case they don't come back in the room. And I'm like, okay, are we all right? <laughs> so there'll be movement. Um, I use a lot of psychoeducation. So a lot of my clients, particularly, for example, the gender spectrum, where people come in often right at the beginning going, kind of got this feeling, this thought, I don't know what the hell it is, I don't know where I'm at, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. And it's, okay, let's do some education as to this is what the gender spectrum looks like or this is what the autistic spectrum looks like and this is how our brains work and this is how um, our gender identity versus gender expression versus gender role. Lots of people don't understand that for people like me, all three are different. You know, um, I'm trying not to overwhelm my client, but go, hang on, let's have this education piece. And then you explain to me, what's your brain like? And I get to go, all right, okay, so with your brain, we can try this and this. And then people come back to me in the next session, and I'm a very... Um, uh, I'm a very blunt, because I'm on the autistic spectrum, clients that they'll come back and say, that was shit, Tash, it didn't work. And I'm like, okay, let's try something else. So, yeah, I just, I very much play it depending on what they're coming with or how they feel in the day. Some days it's like, I don't want to talk today. I want to move around. Okay, let's move around. So that's how I approach it. Hmm. Yeah, okay. So, so showing some flexibility mm. in that approach because mm. I guess like oh, don't quote me on this but um I've heard that when you know psychologists and all of that are like in the training 
they're typically trained CBT and not really any other modalities. Those are kind of like extra kind of things that they might do or might not. And that kind of, it shocks me a little bit because I think it shows a lack of flexibility and the approach with people. And, you know, using myself as an example, my gosh, I think for the first, like those first nine years of therapy for me was just all very CBT talk therapy based. And it got me a good portion of the way. Like it got me from, let's say suicidal thoughts, uh, five hours a day to maybe like once a week, Mm -hmm. which is pretty freaking good. But what really made more of a difference for me was kind of like actually realizing that there were other forms of therapy and other approaches. Mm -hmm. So I dived into some things like, you know, acceptance and commitment therapy Mm -hmm. and schema therapy Mm -hmm. and, you know, things along those lines. And I actually found that it helped me a lot quicker than those traditional kind of CBT-based therapies. Um, I have also heard from some people, particularly around, uh, you know, people that have experienced abuse and manipulation type stuff, um, that they can sometimes react a bit negatively to traditional CBT kind of things because it... It can have a similar feeling to um, like gaslighting Mm. to them kind of thing. Have you heard that at all, Tasha, about anything like that? Yeah, you've got to be careful um, with a lot of clients, really, that you don't dismiss their reality. So if I've got someone saying to me that they feel a certain way and I go, oh, no, I think that's a bit inappropriate or I think that's a bit of an overreaction or don't you really mean you feel this? Then I'm effectively kind of um, psychologically gaslighting them, yeah? Um, So you have to be very careful to listen and go, that's their reality. I have no right to tell them it's not and I wouldn't. That's ethically not my job, not who I am. Mm. It's very much going, right, that's their reality. Let me understand it. And when you've got someone with a trauma background, you have to be so careful there's not a power imbalance. I'm not above my client at all in any way. So, you know, if there's a way that I come across as if I know better, then that can be bordering on feeling abusive to the client. So, yes, you have to be really careful. And I'm the kind of person who, if I upset a client, I'm like, Please tell me, give me the chance to learn from that and go, I was wrong and I'm sorry. So let's see how I can learn and what you need from me. Uh Yeah. Oh, getting a couple of good frameworks so far. David, Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, the two important things with actually finding a therapist, those connections. I think you've just highlighted another one, Tasha, where it's like, another two important things when actually working with someone respecting the model of the world like respecting their mm. model of the, like the reality for them and that therapeutic alignment piece is it therapeutic alignment mm. yep mm. i don't re- really know the wording but um yeah oh it's alliance yeah oh. yeah i think alignment alliance. Right. It's a relationship 
Yeah, alliance. Yeah. I like. I call my team yeah, the healing that's alliance. That's the word I was so looking that's, for. That's what I. What call did I it. say? Alignment. Alliance is what I was yeah. looking for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So having that alliance. Alignment. Yeah. <laughs> so with the, because I think you know the flexibility of approach with people and like dabbling in different sort of modalities, I personally think is quite important, and. I just want to know um, what are your thoughts on traditional CBT being used predominantly and people like not really branching out into other modalities? Do you all need to answer? Oh, who, who would like to rock, paper, scissors? <laughs> okay, I'll go. You go. You go. I, I could have it. I'll have a crack at it. I won't have the okay. uh, therapeutic expertise that Tasha will have. But I think CBT can be really effective in a lot of different ways. I think for my own mental health and my own approach, um, the identity triggers of thoughts to then move it to an emotion and then jump into the behaviour land, just knowing those steps in place to, to stop me from making an ass of myself in the wrong situation, um, I think that's really important. But I think also just having that inner resolve and those mindfulness practices between when you have that initial thought before it turns into emotion can be really effective. And I've struggled with anxiety. I have severe anxiety my entire life. I, I take medication every day for that, mm. but it doesn't solve all of the issues, all the things that come up in my day. It just takes the top 20 to 25% off, I think. CBT for me is really effective. And if I'm in a high pressure situation or there's a stressful like presenting or having a heated conversation for with a family member, whatever the situation is, knowing that I'm feeling hot on the edges of my skin or I can feel that there's thoughts racing in my head and my heart's almost palpitating and I'm getting into the red zone or what I call David red zone where I want to do everything all at once. That's my anxiety feeding that process. And when I apply CBT in that respect, I can actually see that my behavior isn't aligned to um, where I should be in that particular moment or how I need to ground myself. So CBT in that perspective is really helpful. I think Tasha, Tasha would speak to this a lot better, but I think trauma-informed therapy or things that happen in your life from the ages of when you were born to developmentally where you are now, there's a whole range of different, more uh, comprehensive approaches that can be used. Mm -hmm. For me, EMDR, like eye movement therapy, was incredibly helpful for a lot of the trauma that I experienced in my life that was related to my sexuality and being kicked out of home. And um, I think what was important for me in creating Unbox Pride as well was that being online and having therapy online is um, an incredible way to access uh, LGBTQIA plus therapists across Australia. But there's a lot of um, conversations about people having a preference for face-to-face, -face, which is completely fair. Um, when COVID happened a few years ago and we moved, when I had to instantly jump from Melbourne to um, Sydney, I had a therapist that the one that I'd been searching for for five years and I was absolutely oh. like so sad because I was actually going through a difficult period myself. I think everyone was during that time. 
and I had to jump online. I just thought it wouldn't be the same. And EMDR is my go-to when I have any kind of trauma-informed response to something or something comes up again, whether it be family-related or something that's gone on in my life. And um, for those who don't know, it's, it's eye movement therapy where you can use your hand or an object to basically almost go into a trance-like state again. Tasha will explain it much better than I can. And you can almost replace feelings of... Um, anxiety or sadness or depression and a lot of the things that I was experiencing from triggered thoughts in my mind um, and being online, it really didn't actually change anything for me. So I think that was part of the goal of what I wanted to achieve with the platform is obviously we're online and a lot of people still want face-to-face, which is completely fine. But, you know, I guess talking about CBT and that is the top icing on the cake, which can be really effective. EMDR and other opportunities to explore other modalities mm-hmm. is probably more of a life stage developmental overarching comprehensive piece. And I think, Tasha, you'd probably say it a little bit better, but I guess mm-hmm. CBT is more of an icing on what the cake. What are your thoughts with that, Tasha? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm taking a contemplative pause. Right. So um, for me, yes, I use CBT and you're right. Everything you said is right, David. This is a per- this is my personal reaction in that I love learning other therapies. I love going, what's another therapy that I haven't learned? How could I apply that? Because I work with like specific niche like areas and I get to go, oh, this one works better over here. That's good. Okay, let's let's try that. So CBT was the kind of original therapy that most of us learn. So I've got that as my my foundation. And then I'm like, right, let's build on that and let's have more and more therapies so that I can like bring them in as needed. And I, I love learning something new. Like I use quite a lot of something called internal family systems therapy, which works when we have quite distinctive heart stroke identity, stroke like mindsets and that depends on the person how distinct they are that works i i use that personally a lot for myself being gender queer my gender moves around all the time and i love going oh who's here at the moment oh something just happened somebody else is here right and i get to use that with my clients where sometimes i'll notice a change i'm like something happened what's going on something happened because i can see in your face that there's been Mm. like a shift and I love learning different strategies and trying them and go, wow, that's interesting. Wow, that worked better than I thought, or it didn't. So for me, it's so exciting how this is developing so quickly now, especially with something called somatic work, where we're learning about if you can teach body-based skills to the client that you can use at the same time. So I might be talking about something with a client that's traumatic, that might kick them into panic and it's like okay there's a panic attack about to happen quick i need to do some guided imagery i need to guide their breathing we need to do some like some temperature work and then very quickly i can shift them away from the panic and i haven't had to talk about anything just use body techniques so for me that's exciting and i love having the flexibility and the freedom to do that and when you're in an online platform often that's even easier to have that flexibility yeah beautiful oh word of the day flexibility it's Mm. so important when it comes to therapy and having a therapist that 
does have that flexibility in their approach because, um, yeah, it's like having a more holistic approach where you've got more tools Mm -hmm. in that toolbox. You can go, oh, okay, if that's not working well for that person, let's pull out this one and give that a go. Oh, okay, let's try this, EMDR, or let's try this. Um, I think honestly makes for a good therapy experience. Um, Yeah, really, really cool. Mm-hmm. So shifting gears a little bit, I want to know when it comes to, you know, the queer, like trans, um, you know, LGBTQIA plus community in general, what do you feel is the benefit of actually seeing a mental health professional that has lived experience and, you know, has some of that context? I'd like to know. So I think we heard from David about some of that. What are your thoughts with that, Tasha? Um, I have a lot of big thoughts about that, so I'll try not to go off on a monologue, which is a bad (laughs) habit. So, you know, particularly in the gender diverse community. So now there's been before, but now we have a lot of very public hate speech and discrimination happening. Mm There's a lot of myths out there. There's um, a a lot of people do not understand our community and there's a lot of really awful narratives being spread. So therefore, it's even harder when you're a gender diverse person, you're like, who do I choose as my therapist? How do I know? How do I know they're a safe space? How do I know that when I start talking about what I talk about, I won't get you know, I won't get judged or I won't get discriminated against or I won't get someone trying to convert me. How do I know that? And when you're talking about something really personal, so when I'm working with my um, trans clients, often because I've been through this myself and with my wife and my friends, I've got people talking to me about, well, I've just started hormones and I've got these physical symptoms happening or this has happened to my sex drive or, you know, it's really personal information. Well, it's less talk about my dysphoria and this is actually what I want to do with the genitals that I hate. It's really hard to talk to a therapist that you don't trust with that information that is so personal. And even if you have someone who shows for a minute that there's disgust, yeah right, then you are going to go straight back into your self-hatred box. And many of us in our community battle every day with self-hatred. If you have your therapist reflecting back to you that something you've said doesn't sit well with them, it can be it can be catastrophic for that client. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my clients, they know me um, through the trans community. So because I live my life very loudly and openly, I'm the only queer person in my town apart from my wife. We are it. We are we are our own trans community, which is quite funny. But people know I'm and part of the reason I'm open is because I love being queer. I wouldn't want to not be queer. I just love it. I've been attacked for it, but I still love it. So my clients know they're like, okay, Tasha's been through this, Tasha talks publicly about um, transition. I help people after their surgery get used to, oh my God, I've got this new body and I, I can't relate to it. So it's it's so intimate. That connection is something that sometimes you don't tell your partner. So you have to be able to really trust somebody with that. 
Right. So I think that's why this is so key. And some of my trans clients, when it's online, I'm the only person who sees them being authentic. I am the only time they dress as this because it's not safe for them to be out. So they love it. They dress, they show me around their bedroom, they change clothes and go, what do you think of this? And what about my new wig? And I might be like, mm, let's try the other one, you know, because who can they share that with that they trust? And I, I get, I love that. I'm like, oh my God, do other therapists get this wonderful moment? I get it. It's fantastic. But it's so personal. And so many of our community have no one. There is absolutely no one they can talk to about that. And you can look online, but it's not the same. And it's also having space to be able to go, this is happening for me, and I'm supposed to be feeling a certain way, for example, after surgery, and I don't. Yeah. And I don't know who I can tell. So now I'm getting passionate, so I'll stop talking. Ah, passionate's the best time to talk. <laughs> no, I love it. And this is, this is, mm. it really is. And I think, you know, creating Unboxed Pride was coming from a place of vulnerability for myself. And my journey through my stuff mm. was really hard. And it's been such an honour and it's so humbling to work with people like Tasha and, and the rest of our team that genuinely have stories of their own that have created the motivation and the passion to give back to the community. You know, we, we live by the fact that we are a service by the, mm. by the community built for the community and the incredible stuff that goes into therapy and the incredible work that therapists have to go through to get the education and the experience and the accreditation and on top of that having to have to be specialised in the rainbow community mm. takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of empathy. It takes a lot of grounding for them as individuals to practice self-care and, and make sure that they're cared for through that experience. Um, it, it is, it is a, it's a, I'm living my vision and it's just a blessing to work with people like Tasha. How would you have liked to have a, um, a therapist like Tasha when you were in the beginning stages of coming out and all of that? I just wish she didn't work for me because then I could see her myself. Conflict of interest. That's lovely. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, David, I'm pretty sure you had to run off, didn't you? Uh, I can stay on probably another 15, 20 minutes. Oh, fantastic, because I've got yeah. some more questions. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> I'm loving this conversation. I don't want it to end. Um, yeah, so some really good things touched on there and particularly around like the themes of, you know, there is a bit of a growing distrust, I think, that queer people in mm -hmm. general have towards like medical and psychological, you know, fields. And so, you know, having services like this, I think really mm. helps with that apprehension that they might experience. Mm. And a couple of really good points I hadn't thought about as well around the, um, you know, the, the growing discrimination and like the stuff in the media and all of that stuff yeah. coming out. I think, um, yeah, it really would affect how safe queer mm -hmm. people feel coming to a psychologist or a therapist of any kind. Yeah. And, 
you know, are they going to be a safe person for me? Are they, you know, mm. supporting the political party that wants to be dead? Or, like, you yeah. know, things like that can come up. So, yeah, that's, I feel is really important when it comes to, you know, working with this particular um, subset of people. Yeah. So, yeah, my goodness. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground there. And I'd like to know, is there any question that either of you have that you wish I would ask? No, I think you've nailed the head on. Tasha's like, yeah, yeah. She's like, Tasha's oh, sitting yeah. on one. Do you want to go, Tasha? Oh, sorry. There, oh, that's I okay. I want to check my pronouns. I, didn't I use uh, she, they. So I'm complicated. No, oh, no, no. Um, pronouns for me aren't hugely important because my gender's all over the place. I think if I had to keep people up to like be with where I'm at, it would be like a news bulletin, you know, several times a day. Um, so we've touched on uh, just the question I was thinking of, and David's talked about it too. Is something that a lot of my clients will say, particularly trans clients, is you know, how do I find a therapist who I know isn't just like trans aware, mm. like there's a difference. They don't necessarily have to be trans, but how do I know, like I was touching on before, how do I know they can hear what what I talk about? How, like, how do I know that? And there's some, you know, I'll suggest, for example, uh, there's, I'm sure you've heard of OSPATH, so um, they're responsible for the Australian standards for transgender care. Yeah. There's a list of us providers on the OSPATH website, so you can check there, and that shows that we have a certain um, standard of trans-specific training. Um, you can obviously Google, right, because people like me come up everywhere. Um, get recommendations from fellow trans people. So a lot of the Facebook groups are really good, um, as well as places like ATSAC, ACON, Thorn Harbor Health, a lot of these big organizations around the country, ask them for recommendations. Um, ask other trans people for recommendations. Message the therapist right, and go, I'd really like to understand, you know, how much knowledge do you have? Like, is it knowledge up to medical transition? Is it knowledge um, up to and after surgery, like, you know, if, if that's the kind of care that you're looking for. So just so you've got the ability before you go in that you know, okay, this person hasn't just written it. And that's part of what's good about Unboxed. You already know by coming to Unboxed that we're all part of the community, whatever place we are in the community, and that, you know, all of our accreditations have been checked. We just haven't made them up ourselves and that we have to get you know regular supervision regular training regular meetings like all of that to make sure that we're providing the care that the client needs i think just to add that add to that as well is that apprehension is very real i think what's going on in the media and just some awful stuff that's being communicated from a range of different mm -hmm. channels is is really it's kind of sad to see where we are as, as a society, but, you know, there are 
pockets of support that Tasha went through and what we really wanted to do with our platform is try and ease a bit of that apprehension by actually tapping into um, having the ability to ask the questions and actually connecting with our therapists first. We make sure that you can have introduction calls with any of our therapists um, for 15 minutes. You can either do it via video or phone because it's important that you ask these questions. It's important that the personality match is is going to feel comfortable. You know, in the first five minutes of meeting anyone on this planet, whether or not you jam with them, it's the same with therapy. I think you need to feel like you have that safety. You have to feel like you are in, especially in the trans area, you are online in, in sitting opposite you uh, in face-to-face you're in that stage of, in that place of comfort. So I think it's really important to ask those questions and, and get what you need. You should feel as empowered in that an initial meeting as, as the therapist is in an ethical decision to ensure that they can actually care for you as well. So that, that halfway point is, is super important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's one thing I loved about looking at the website, actually, like Unbox Pride website, is just seeing the amount of detail that is there for each therapist. Um, because previously I've done what Tasha just said of like asking in Facebook groups, hey, does anyone have a recommendation? You know, someone that's got experience in like polyamorous relationships and, you know, trans topics and yada, yada. And that's the closest I've been able to get to actually getting some good recommendations. But I think it makes it so much easier when all of that information is just there rather than this ominous kind of thing because it's scary to begin with to see a new therapist and to step in with all of those questions and all of that. So having all that information, being able to actually have an introduction call, I've not seen that before with other therapy services. So that's pretty freaking cool. So yeah, overall, I'm seeing that, you know, this is a way to really help start moving that distrust and start actually creating a more safe space for the queer community to engage in services. Um, yeah, really, really cool stuff. Oh, I think um, someone's internet just dropped out. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think we've covered a lot of ground there and final question actually for you, Tasha, is if you were to go back to say your 18 year old self and give them 30 seconds of advice, what would it be? Oh, wow. My 18 year old self, I'd just be saying, just absolutely do whatever you want because there were lots of things I really wanted to do that I didn't because there's that, you know, I come from a very small town in Wales. I was this weird person um, that everyone just sort of thought was, that's a bit strange, but that's Tash. Um, but still you kind of live on the periphery or in secret, right, with what you're doing. And if I could have just gone, just do it, just be as loud as you want, who cares? Because eventually one day, you know, what blows my brain is at times people actually come to talk to me because I'm different. I'm like, go figure, I spent so much of my life trying to be the same. And that's whether it's gender or sexuality or neurodiversity or just me being me. 
And I'm like, wow, and people actually want to come and talk to me now because I am this slightly strange, stroke very strange. So it would have been great for my 18-year-old self to go, just drop it. Then I wouldn't have had the addictions, the eating disorders. Wouldn't have happened. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's um, turning around adversities and turning them into a superpower. I personally find is one of the most freaking inspiring, empowering things that we can do as you know, queer individuals. Mm. And I think I've seen that in both of you, which is freaking awesome. Um, but yeah, my goodness, I could turn that into a whole nother conversation, but I won't. <laughs> Maybe we'll save that for part two. <laughs> um, so David, same question. You wouldn't have heard it before. If you had to go back to your 18 year old self and give him 30 seconds of advice, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> So to think about how I want to answer it. I think um, don't be afraid to be who you are. And even though everyone's telling you that you can't be or do something, should be more motivation to be or do something. And let the unique, weird, strange parts of yourself out because they're the bits that need to be seen and heard. And um, your superpower exists within that. I think um, I'm a critical uh, overthinker in every way possible, as you can probably hear when I overspeak in this conversation. <laughs> um, and you know, I think I think my superpower is is kind of connecting the world back into what I have to offer as an individual. Uh, and I think what that looks like is um, powerful connections and, and solutions or healing solutions for people that I can relate to and I can understand their vulnerability. I think that's um, how I see myself. And if I could tell that to my younger self, um, I'd skip a few years of anxiety and depression and all my own senses of loneliness. So that would have been really nice. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. Well, I guess now it's uh, using those things in the way that, you know, you already are and helping other people to not have to go through that same amount of struggle. Mm, So really, really good stuff. This has been an epic freaking conversation. And where can people find you, like on social media, if they wanted to reach out? Yeah, sure. So we're across all social media channels, um, Instagram, uh, Twitter, all the handlers, as well as our website is unboxpride.com.au. Just remember, we're not just an online platform where you just do everything yourself to match with a therapist. Our therapy matching team um, are there for you as well. So you can call us or email us. Just go through our Contact Us page and find all our information there. Beautiful. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much for this conversation. It's been really freaking awesome. Thank you, Jasmine. I'm sensing a potential Thank part you. two coming on. We would love to <laughs> come back. There's a lot more to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks. See ya. See you later. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Transboss Podcast. If you support the Transboss movement, it would help immensely if you could leave a review on your favorite podcasting app, follow us, and share your biggest takeaway from this episode on social media. Don't forget to tag me at jasmine.vine on Instagram because I would love to see it. 
Now get out there, do the things and take the next step into that empowered life you deserve. See you next time.